Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Fifteen active police officers and four retired officers are challenging in court. They're being forced to participate in the enforcement of, quote, unconstitutional and, quote, martial law-like, end quote, lockdowns and stay-at-home orders of Canadian citizens in the province of Ontario. Toronto Police Service Sergeant Julie Evans is one of the 15 active officers who's described what she's being forced to do in a column by my friend Joel Warmington of the Toronto Sun as, quote, outright violations of people's rights, end quote, and uh, she's also said it's criminalizing human behavior of people who are not criminals. York Regional Police Constable Chris Vandenboss is quoted as saying, people, quote, are going out and living their lives. To me, they should not involve police going out and criminalizing that, end quote. The officer's lawyer, Rocco Galati of Toronto, has said they have serious concerns that they're being asked to do something completely illegal and unconstitutional. Sergeant Evans, Constable Vandenboss, and Mr. Galati join me on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Thanks, everybody, for coming on. Thanks for having us. Um, let me start with you, Sergeant Evans. So what, what is your concern uh, as a police officer? And maybe you can speak for, for everyone. I'll ask uh, Chris Vandenboss the same question, though. What is your concern with the decisions taken by the Ford government and delivered as emergency measures to slow the spread of COVID-19? Which ones do you, are you most concerned about? Well, first to start off, uh, formerly Sergeant uh, with Toronto Police Service, uh, I have since uh, left my position, um, so that uh, that's a new development for me. So uh, I'm no longer active with the Toronto Police Service. But to uh, answer your question, I think a big part of it is uh, procedural justice and the perception of police legitimacy. So uh, typically when we, we engage in policing activities or law enforcement, we, we do that on consent of the public. So that's a, a huge factor in sort of the cooperation uh, and the, uh, the perception that what we're doing is lawful, what we're doing is right, uh, that we're following the rule of law and that there's a component of procedural justice. Uh, since those measures were enacted by the uh, Ford government, we've certainly seen police services uh, stuck in a rock and a hard place between uh, enforcing the measures, the provincial measures, but then breaching the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So uh, for me, that's been sort of the difficulty that we've sort of walked this tightrope for a long time, uh, and it's not on consent of the people. It's not with cooperation, not with public feedback or public support uh, for what we're doing. So we're actually creating uh, a massive divide between police and community, which is the exact opposite of what we attempt to do in policing practices. Is Sarah leaving the Toronto Police Service because of these developments? Uh, she, she didn't leave, uh, Roy. She was constructively dismissed as a result of hostile, threatening, and toxic work environment, which she could no longer uh, 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 tolerate and she shouldn't tolerate. So she's been constructively dismissed and will be suing the Toronto Police Services as a result. Okay. Um, Chris Vandenboss, same question to you. What's, what's your concern? You're a 20-year police officer, York Region, or York Police in, uh, in the Toronto, Greater Toronto area. What's your concern about the decisions? Do they mirror those of uh, a former Sergeant Evans? Yes, they do. Uh, and just for a point of clarification, it's actually 16 plus years, almost 17. Um, but I thank you for advancing my years on the on the service. But uh, no, I, I definitely do agree with Sergeant Evans. And, and my concern is that the oath that we took 
is to the Constitution, the Charter, and the Queen, and every law that we've enforced is police throughout our entire careers. If there is any issue in result, uh, as a result of the Charter in the application of our duties, we would see the courts withdraw said charges because they, there was a Charter violation. So this is a major facet of our job that we have to adhere to. And now we're being asked to disregard that charter and for me i have a big issue with that because it's that oath that i took the most pride in taking and uh applying it in the application of my duties uh, ms evans uh, how controversial is uh your decision and how controversial was the decision by the province among the ranks of, of police services i maybe you can answer that maybe you can't but we do know that 20 police services refused to enforce premier ford's recent order that police should stop and question people who were out walking or driving and to demand why they weren't at home 20 police services in the province of ontario said no we're not doing this so was this a controversial issue within uh, you know behind closed doors Ms. Evans? She's, she's muted, Roy. I think the bigger question, um, you know, is, is why did the, the police chiefs come to that decision so quickly? And I think as time goes on, we'll learn more about that. Um, but while they, they came forward with a united front, uh, they certainly didn't hesitate to take the Premier's money uh, and put out what I what I coined the charter violation teams. So they have money uh, given to the police service on a daily basis shortly after that decision where the police services came forward and said, we won't engage in that unlawful okay. those charter violations. Okay. Uh, uh, but then... I'm sorry, I'm just looking at the clock here. I've got to feed you, fit everything into the time frame. Uh, Chris, what about uh, your fellow officers? Is, is this a, a controversial issue that you, that you have to try to manage your way around? Do, do, officers, do a majority of officers support or you, or do they support the, 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 the province? Is that a fair well, question I'm to you? I'm glad you asked that, Roy, because uh, there's nothing that speaks louder than when people actually speak out. And we developed a group called Police on Guard back in late December in the face of these issues. And we have had resounding support from officers all across Canada, as well as retired officers. And that number is growing and we're getting the message out there as it pertains to the charter issues. So I am very thankful for all the work the other officers with Police on Guard are doing behind the scenes for Canadians. And what are you hearing from folks on the street? Well, folks on the street are concerned. They're concerned because, you know, the, the sentiments that are echoed the most loudest is that people are more scared of their government than they are the virus, it seems. And uh, and that speaks to a disparity in the application of police resources, because when we're stomping on people's charter rights, people lose faith in the police. Mr. Galati, what's the, what's the legal argument for the courts? And by the way, I'm hearing, I see, I see emails from people, from listeners who both support uh, your clients and will also say, well, look, if they're not going to enforce the law, they shouldn't be police officers. What's the legal argument that you're going to put forward? Well, there's very legal, various legal arguments. Uh, essentially, these are uh, martial law provisions that are not within the jurisdiction of the provincial government. They're over the top. They're overly broad. They violate the charter. They're not justified in a free and democratic society, and they're based on a they're based on a non-existent, uh, um, flawed measure of case counts and furthermore they're asking police officers to uh, forget their oath forget the constitution and you know at some point this government might it should have gone for a quick reference to the court of appeal to see if these measures are constitutional what is, what's your what, what's your experience tell you though when you go before a judge and right. you make the you know make the statements you just made to me i'm a broadcaster i hear martial law 
And it takes me back to uh, to my youth in, in Quebec uh, during the FLQ crisis. That was a whole right. different situation. But when you, if you say martial law to a judge in the province of Ontario, what are you going to get back? Well, if the judge is awake, what do you call a stay-at-home order? That's a form of curfew. What do you call it, Roy? When you're ordered to stay at home, that's martial law. Yeah, they'll turn around and they'll say to you that they have the right under emergency provisions to make that kind of decision. Well, we say, we say the prerequisites under the Act for calling of an emergency are not there. They have the evidentiary burden to show that the emergency provision that, uh, that, that's prompted them to put in restrictive martial law Provisions are not there. If what this the, were a real national emergency... Rocco, like I, I'm, I'm looking at the clock. I'm just looking at the clock here. I want to ask you a question. What are the chances of this going to court? If you're looking at the clock, can I finish the answer? What are the chances you'll be able to get this to court? No, let me finish the answer, Roy. The answer is this. Only the federal government has jurisdiction over national emergencies. Why that hasn't crossed anybody's mind is beyond me. The federal government doesn't want to call a national emergency because they can't meet their requirements either. Okay, so then my question now again is, what are the chances you'll get this before a court? Well, the chances are very good. They already asked the court to dismiss it out of hand, and on May 5th, the court said no. What's the next date? The, 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 well, we'll be perfecting the application, and we, I, I'm going to ask for a date in early fall. Chris, does this uh, make you question staying a police officer, the situation? Well, that's been a big conflict, absolutely. Um, it's very difficult to, to see the charter rights of my fellow Canadians being removed at the behest of the government and using the police to do so, because I take great pride in the profession that I chose to serve. And Julie, final word to you. Go ahead, Julie. Oh, sorry. Um, can you just repeat the question? Sorry. No, just final word to you. Just wrap it up for me in about 30 seconds. Well, again, I think it, it's, a, it's a matter of whether or not this is an emergency, whether or not the evidence shows that it's an emergency, whether or not the truth seekers out there want to have critical debates uh, and honest conversation. Uh, it's a matter of people's lives at stake, yes, but on many aspects and not just the COVID platform. So I think police community, medical doctors, professions need to collaborate. It can't be a one-sided show. Absolutely not. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.